So in the classic 1982 film, um, Blade Runner, there is an iconic monologue that occurs during the climactic showdown between the film's protagonist, Rick Deckard, and the antagonist, Roy Batty. So Deckard is a Blade Runner, which means it's his job to hunt down and shut down robots like Batty when they go haywire or they run away. And Batty gives this short monologue about what will be lost if Deckard shuts him down. I've seen things that you wouldn't believe. Attack ships off the fire of the shoulder, or attack ships on fire off the shoulder of Orion. I watch sea beams glitter in the dark near the Tenhauser gate. And all of those moments will be lost in time, like tears in rain. So putting aside the sci-fi jargon, it's a reflection on the importance and power of memory. If Batty is shut down, all of his memories will be gone forever. And in fact, the whole film is a reflection on the importance and power of memory. Because our memories tell us who we are and how we relate to other people. And so without our memories, we are lost and disoriented. This summer, we're doing a series uh, on the Psalms, particularly focusing on the Lament Psalms. In our culture today, here in North America, we are often not very good at getting in touch with our feelings And our culture is not very good at processing and expressing emotions, particularly emotions like grief and hurt and anger. And so we need the Psalms today, particularly the Lament Psalms. The Lament Psalms help us express and process the emotions that we all feel, but don't have the words to express. And so when you feel abused or angry or abandoned, the Lament Psalms are there to help you work through them. So this week we're looking at Psalm 42, which is a lament psalm about the importance of memory in processing emotion. When we feel like we are in trouble or like we've been abandoned by God, we can remember the ways that God has intervened before and trust that he'll do it again. Before we get into the psalm itself, I want to talk a little bit about the header of the psalm. Um, So last week, Rob introduced us to the idea of psalm headers. And so when you open your Bible and you see um, paragraph and section headers, usually they've been added by the translators of whatever version you are reading. Um, But with the Psalms, the header for each Psalm is actually original to the text. And so they're important because they tell you what kind of Psalm you're about to read. Last week we looked at a Psalm of the Sons of Korah. Um, So the Sons of Korah, or the Korahites in some translations, they were worship leaders in the temple in Jerusalem. And so the Psalms of Korah were meant for community worship. And the Psalm that we're going to look at this week is also a Psalm of Korah. So it is also meant for community worship. Last week, Rob also introduced us to the idea of a maskeel. A maskeel is an instructional Psalm. So it's meant to uh, teach people something about God or about their relationship with God. And so this, the Psalm this week is also a maskeel. And so it's a Psalm that's meant to be sung together in community that is meant to teach you something. And so the writer of the psalm begins by describing how they feel in verse 1 to 3. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? Tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? So the writer of this psalm longs to be with God longs for connection with God, and this longing is so strong that they compare it to a deer looking for water. 
And in the same way that the deer can't live without a source of water, the writer feels like they can't live without God's presence in their lives. And so their soul thirsts for God the same way that animals thirst for water. But this thirst, this longing, is not being met. And to make matters worse, the people around the writer are rubbing salt into the wound. They're taunting him, saying, where's your God now, huh? And so every day and every night, the writer feels like crying. And so I'm sure many of us have been in situations like this, where something happens or is happening in our lives, and we feel like we're pushed to the breaking point, like we're ready to burst into tears at any moment. And often when we're in a place like that, the people around us aren't very much help. They say things that hurt us, whether intentionally or unintentionally. And so we long for God's comfort and his presence, his connection in our lives. But sometimes it feels like he's just, he's not there. He's far away. And it feels like without God's presence and without a connection to him, we're not going to be able to make it through. And to make matters worse, the writer of this psalm has lost something in their lives that used to anchor them, that used to help them feel safe and secure. These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Something is keeping the writer of the psalm from attending temple worship, which had been an anchor for them. And so we don't know why the writer can't go to temple, Uh, Some Bible scholars think that maybe this psalm was written during the exile when the people were out of the land and captive in Babylon. But it could just as well have been something personal that the writer was dealing with, like sickness or an injury. But either way, the writer of this psalm has lost the thing that used to be an anchor in their lives. They want to get back to the times when things were good, when they were happy. They remember when things were going well for them. And they want to experience that again. But it feels like they can't get back there. It feels like the good times are gone for good. But then the writer recognizes the way that they're feeling. They catch themselves feeling depressed and despondent. And so we get the refrain of the psalm. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The writer recognizes that they feel lost and abandoned, but they recognize that their feelings aren't the whole story. So the last two weeks, Rob touched on the idea that there's often disconnect between what we feel and what we know. And sometimes what we feel doesn't line up with where God actually is or what God is actually doing. And so the writer of this psalm says to themselves, hey, you don't have to feel this way. You can put your trust in God. He will show up and he will carry you through the situation. And then the writer explains why they have this confidence in God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hemron, from Mount Mizar. The writer of this psalm can trust that God will show up because they remember the way that God has shown up in the past. Now, we don't put much stock in memory in our culture today, so we walk around with access to all the world's information in our pockets. And if we need to remember something, we can look it up, and if we need to make sure we remember it in the future, we can write it down. And if we forget something, it's not a big deal, right? We can find the information quickly. But in the days of ancient Israel, they didn't have those options. Forget not having internet. Most of them couldn't even read And so in that context, memory becomes very, very important. Traditions and stories were passed on from generation to generation by word of mouth and memory. 
So the people of Israel knew who they were and where they came from because they passed down these traditions and stories. And so the Old Testament puts a very big emphasis on remembering. The main way that the the Old Testament talks about remembering is remembering God and then walking in God's ways. And so to remember is a call to action. So, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, as the people are about to enter the promised land, they're told, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Because God saved the people of Egypt from Israel, because he made a covenant with them, they were supposed to worship and serve him. They were instructed to remember the way that God had saved them and remember their covenant with God. And so this is the most common way that the Old Testament talks about remembering. But the ancient Israelites were also called to remember in another context. When they found themselves in hard times, they were supposed to remember the way that God had saved them in the past and put their trust that he would do it again in the future. So, for example, when the people of Israel returned from exile, they had to rebuild their nation. They had to rebuild their homes, their cities, and most importantly, the temple of worship. But when the temple was rebuilt, it was only a shadow of what it used to be. The young people rejoiced because this is all that they've known. They were born and they grew up in exile, and so they never saw the old temple. And they're happy just to have a temple at all. But the old people in the community remember the old temple. And so for them, the new, smaller temple is demoralizing. They remember the glory of the old temple, and they the new temple is just a shadow of what it used to be. And so it seemed like the days of God's great acts were over. And so the prophet Haggai delivers a message to the people from God. Who of you is left that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. That is what I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. And so when the people were feeling dejected and demoralized, God reminded them of the ways that he had rescued them in the past. He tells them, hey, remember how I rescued your ancestors from Egypt? Remember how I promised that I would save them from trouble? That promise is still true, and I am still here to rescue you in times of trouble. Now, the psalm we're looking at today was probably written before the book of Haggai, but it's hitting on the same idea. When the writer of the psalm says that they will remember God, this is what they're talking about. They will remember the way that God has shown up in their life in the past, both in their own life and in the history of their people. And so when we're struggling with the way that we feel, we can remind ourselves of what we know by remembering the way that God has shown up in the past. God is faithful to his promises, and he will show up again just like he did before. Memory is a very powerful tool in helping us work through our emotions. But the psalm doesn't end there. It goes on. The writer says, Deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and your breakers have swept over me. And so the writer is expressing that they feel overwhelmed and they feel like they're going to drown. That's how overwhelmed they are. And we may get to this point and we think, Hey, what, what gives? I thought the writer reminded themselves of what they know. Shouldn't they be better now? We often think that when we process or work through emotions, that it happens in a straight line where we move from feeling bad to eventually feeling good. 
And so the five stages of grief model assumes this idea where you work linearly, linearly through um, the stages and then eventually arrive at acceptance. But that uh, model of grief processing is actually not used very much by grief counselors anymore because the way that we actually process emotions uh, is much more circular. We move back and forth between different feelings, often several times as we work through whatever is troubling us. It's less like a straight road and more like finding our way out of a forest. And so if you ever find yourself going back and forth like this when you're working through something difficult and you feel like you're not making any progress, that's okay. That's normal. And if you're ever trying to help someone who's going through a hard time and they seem to be going in circles around and around, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And so here, the writer of the psalm, they've reminded themselves of what's true, but that didn't magically change the way that they feel. And so they continue to wrestle with the tension between what they feel and what they know. And so as these feelings again threaten to overwhelm them, they remind themselves that God is faithful. By day, the Lord directs his love, and at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Now, there's a lot that's hidden in this verse by translating it into English. Um, Up until this point, the writer has referred to God just as God. Uh, The Hebrew word is Elohim, and it just means a God or a divine being, just like the word God does in English. Um, But here, and only here in the psalm, the writer uses the Lord, or in Hebrew, Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God. And so it's the personal name that God gave to Israel when he made his covenant with them. And so it's worth paying attention to when the Old Testament uses one or the other, because it's usually important, and it's usually on purpose. Here, the writer is reminding themselves of what God's covenant promises were by using God's covenant name. And the Hebrew word behind love is chesed, which is really difficult to translate into English because it doesn't just mean love. It specifically means God's love, and specifically his faithful, committed, covenant love that endures forever. And so you'll occasionally see it translated as steadfast love or covenant faithfulness in some translations. And it expresses the idea that God is faithful to his promises. And so what the writer is saying here is that day by day, Yahweh, the God of the covenant, directs his steadfast and faithful love towards the writer. Day by day, God is true to his promises, just as he has always been. And the writer is remembering God's promises and the ways that he has shown up before. But again, the way we process emotions is often circular, and so the writer once again returns to the way they feel. I say to my God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer in mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? And so the writer again expresses that they feel far from God, and they feel so far from God that they feel forgotten by God. And again, they say that the people around them are taunting them and rubbing salt in the wound. But still, the writer recognizes that what they feel doesn't line up with what they know. And so they remind themselves one more time, returning to the refrain of the psalm. Why, my soul, are you downcast within me? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The fact that the psalm ends with remembering is important. The psalm doesn't finish where it started. Despite the fact that the writer has been going around and around, they do eventually come out the other side. It's like the writer has been driving around and around and around and around about, um, but eventually they do come out and get to where they were going. And so memory is a powerful tool in helping us process our emotions. And when we feel like God has abandoned us, we can remember the way he's shown up in the past and trust that he'll do it again.
But remembering can be hard when we're in the midst of deep grief or deep depression. And it can feel like things have always been bad and they always will be bad. And it can feel like God has never shown up for us. But the good news is that you don't have to remember alone. This psalm, remember, is a psalm of the sons of Korah. It was meant for community worship. And it's a masculine, so it was meant to teach you or remind you of something. And so the ancient Israelites, they would come to the temple and they would sing this psalm together and they would remember together. The memory of a community is much more powerful than the the memory of just one person. And so songs and traditions remind us of what's true when we can't remember ourselves. When an ancient Israelite was struggling to remember the ways God had shown up in the past, they could come to the temple and be reminded by their community. And so we do the same thing as Christians. When we gather together on Sunday morning like this to sing and to pray, we're remembering and celebrating the way God has shown up in the past. And when we share the Lord's Supper, we recite the words of Jesus who said, do this in remembrance of me. When we gather together on a Sunday morning, we remember God's greatest act of all, that he was willing to come to earth as a human and experience all that we experience and then die for our sake. God is so faithful to his promises and his hesed is so deep that he was willing to die an excruciating death on the cross for you. God was willing to go that far for you and he will do it again. And so when you feel far from God or when you feel like God has abandoned you, remind yourself of what's true by remembering God's promises. And when you're too deep in your grief or your depression to remember on your own, you can join the Christian community in remembering together. God has been faithful to his promises before, and he will be faithful to his promises again. And so let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the ways that you have shown up in our lives. And we want to thank you that you are faithful to your promises day by day. Even when we feel like you are far away, we know that you are near and that you will show up just as you always have. And Lord, we want to thank you for the things that you've done in history. Thank you for entering into our reality and our experience and going to the cross for us. Lord, your chesed, your steadfast and faithful love is so much greater than we could ever imagine. But Lord, we often forget these things. When we feel depressed or overwhelmed, we lose sight of what we know to be true and what we know about your faithfulness. And so help us to remember. Help us to remember the promises you've made in Scripture and help us to remember the ways that you have shown up in our lives. And Lord, help us to remember well together. Lord, when we come together to celebrate what you've done, we pray that it would be effective in reminding us of your faithfulness in what we know to be true. May our worship, our prayers, and our messages lift each other up in hard times. And so we pray all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.